Good morning, everybody. Today, Beth Hashem will be learning Daf Tzadik Beis in Masechus Bavakama, but we're going to start on Tzadik Aleph on Beis. Believe it or not, ten lines up from the uh, lines get wide, so it's Ela Tanaihi, not even halfway down the page. But we're going to move. We have some fascinating life hacks today. Good morning, Barry. Wow, I thought that you resented the fact that I tricked you into coming today by being so far behind. But I'm glad that you you're you're a bigger man than I am. Here we go. The Gemara is questioning the following question. Is a person allowed to self-inflict wounds? Okay. Says the Gemara, Vatanya. He says, Ezo What's an example of a, uh, what's an example of a shvua that you can make to harm other people? You say, This is where we left off. We said that it can't be that the example of inflicting pain on yourself is fasting, right? Because we were trying to say, oh, we see that somebody can't inflict pain on themselves when they make a shvua. And we said, well, that's just with fasting. But we said that doesn't fit with uh, the parallel of the b'risa because inflicting pain on others doesn't mean forcing them to fast. We said, and then we said, maybe it does mean that it's forcing them to fast. You're locking them in the room and you're forcing them to fast. And we said, well, that's not really what people mean when they say, I'm going to get you. They don't mean I'm going to lock you in a room and make you fast. They mean I'm going to break your head. Uh, but rather, this idea is a machlokas tanaim, whether you can self mutilate. There are, is an opinion that Rabbi Kiva holds that you are not allowed to self inflict pain and mutilation, and there's an opinion that you are allowed to, as follows. Who's the Tanah that holds that a person's not allowed to self-injure? Now we're going to try to figure out who this Tanah is. Maybe it's the following Tanah, the Tanya. We have a Brisa. It says, What's going on here? Um, this is a Pasuk in, I was learning it with Birnbaum, and we were thinking, is this in Mishlei? No, it's in, it's in Bracious. Um, it's in Bracious. It's talking about the, the Nei Noach. You're not allowed to inflict Right in the in the generations uh, before Avram, are you allowed to? I'm gonna I'm gonna demand um, that you cannot inflict uh, pain. Really, what it's saying over there is uh, the pasuk says, Noach and his children they're coming out of the teva, and Akash Baruch is telling them. Um, you can't kill, and you can't. It's basically the mitzvahs bnei Noach. In the con- in the context of mitzvahs, but they noach, you're telling him you can't draw blood from yourselves, as Rashi explains. You can't take out blood from yourselves. So Rebbe Lazar there says right that I'm not going to right uh, allow you to self-inflict pain. Now. The adroshes dimchem just means that you'll pay for it in the afterlife. But the point is that you're not allowed to inflict pain, and maybe that's the source. So you're not allowed to injure yourself. But the thing that the Gemara says is vidilma katala shiny. But really, the context over there is suicide, right? Killing yourself, chas That is a different thing. It doesn't mean that you can't necessarily uh, inflict a non-fatal wound upon yourself. So maybe that's not the tana. So now we have to find a different price. It says the Gemara elhai tanahu. There's a bride that says, when someone's Rahman al-San in Avelis, they're allowed to tear their clothing. 
Okay. That we know, right? That's the minog. That's the practice to tear your shirt. Now, it happens to be that the Amorim um, did that also. So that's what it means, It means that even though the, um, right, the, Amorim, the Amorites did it, um, we're not considered copying them when we do it, and it is indeed our practice to do so as well. So there again, Amar Rebbe Lazar, Shamati he says he heard that if you instead of just doing a little discreet tear as we do up to the heart, whatever on the shirt, if you start just putting your shirt in the shredder or whatever, you know, really overdoing it, that's bal tashchis, the famous concept that that it says lo tashchis In the besieged city, we're talking about trees that you shouldn't destroy, but it it, it also applies to not just trees and also not just non-war situations. You have to see the halachas. The halachas basically of Baltashchis stem from there and extend all the way to just you're not allowed to be destructive. Oh. So if you're not allowed to be destructive in general, says the Gemara, gufo, then all the more so you shouldn't be able to destroy your body. What is more of Baltashchis than destroying, right, these glorious bodies that Akash Baruch Hu made for us? So, oh, so maybe Baltashchis is the source that you're not allowed to self-injure. Says the Gemara, Maybe not. Viduma begadim shiny to say to lahadahu. Lahadah means it doesn't go back, right? Hadran Allah. When you when clothing gets torn, that's irreversible. If you put your shirt in a shredder, that's not coming back. But we have these miraculous bodies that heal. So it does come back. As it says, remember Rabyochanan, Kihavd, Rabyochan Kari the Mani Mahbadusa. Rabyochanan used to call his clothing, right, his honorariums, right? His his uh, honor things, right? He used to be bechabit his clothing very much. Rav Chista, also, kad have a masage beini hismin vehige. When he walked among thorns and thistles, madli lahu lemane, he would try to lift his clothing. Doing what? He would lift his right, the hem of his toga, whatever they were, in order to instead of having his clothing uh, go and get scratched up against the thorns, he preferred to have his. Legs scratched up against the thorns. Why would you do that? Wouldn't you want the, to protect your legs? No. He had a svara, if Chista did. He said, my legs will heal. My skirt won't heal. Right? So you see a demonstration of the fact that clothing is not reversible, and that damage is not reversible, and therefore, but skin is. Therefore, maybe it is indeed not baltashchis to injure yourself. Because baltashchis maybe means that you just can't be destructive. Right, but maybe in a case where it heals, that's not real destruction. Maybe destruction is only referring to something that is irreversible. That's where we're, that's what we're holding here. Okay, so now we have to have a different source. Says so the Gemara, El Hai Tanahu. This is the this is the Tana, the Tanya, and here the here's the Brisa. It says, Amar Rabbi Lazar Kapar Beribi, Matam Lo Berachiper Alav Masher Chatal Nefesh. Okay, it says regarding a Nazir, right? What? We learned Maseches Nazir, by the way. What a big schus that was. And in Maseches Nazir, we said that he has to do some atonement for having been a Nazir. Why do you have to atone for being a Nazir? Isn't being a Nazir a holy thing? Well, that was a big discussion that we had, right? Whether a Nazir is a preferable state or not. Ask the Gemara, but is an Efesh What kind of chait did he do by being a Nazir? The abstention from life's joy of wine is a form of chet. Oh, so you see from there that self-inflicting, not just self-inflicting wounds, but self-inflicting not joy 
is a form of sin. Wow. And there, Rabbi Lazar Kapper explains that this is indeed a kalvachomer. Balotvam kalvachomer, says the Gemara. Right here, he didn't inflict the wound. All he did was withhold joy of wine from him. And he's considered a sinner for doing that. Therefore, certainly, if you are actually actively inflicting some punishment on yourself, that's all the more so going to be um, something that we are going to say is usr. It's, it's certainly at least as much of a chait as not drinking wine. So, wow. So to not, um, Hashem puts pleasures in this world and Hashem gives us glorious bodies and health. To jeopardize any of those things is sort of like a lack of a karsatov in a sense. It's a, it's a sin. So therefore we are concluding here that it sounds like that this is a view that we follow when Rabbi Kiva says that you're not allowed to self-mutilate. Okay. So it lines up, a kotis nitiosov, two dots. Here we go. The, Mish- the Mishnah said, right, this was the ruling of Rabbi Kiva, right? He, he brought up the idea of cutting down trees. So, Tani Rabba Baruchana Kameda Rav, Shori Harakta Nitiyosai Katsatsta. So, the following case, this is a related case, it's an interesting thing. That who is Chayev in the following case? Somebody comes to Bezdin, and we'll use, I think we could use Barry and Andrew here. I think it would be fun. So Andrew brings Barry to court and he says, you killed my ox and t- chopped down my trees. And Barry says, He says, yes, I did. Uh, you are right. I killed your ox and chopped down your trees. But I did it because you told me to do it. Potter. Barry is Potter because he can claim that he did all of these things on Andrew's behalf, that he injures Andrew's stuff on his behalf. So Rav wants to ask, Amalei, Imkain, Kol Shavakta Chayelivriyosa Kiminei. If if this is the case, I'm sorry, Imkain, Lo Shavakta Chayelivriyosa, Kol Kiminei. That's how you read that. Imkain, Lo Shavakta Chayelivriyosa, Lo Shavakta Chayelivriyosa is mean like you're ruining the world order, which is to say, no court case would ever survive if the defendant could say to the prosecutor, "You told me to do it." There would never be any, any civil court cases. There would never be any monetary cases, right? Uh, certainly no cases of Hezek, right? If every case of, like we have, we're in the Seder of Nazikin. All of Seder of Nazikin wouldn't exist if they said, hey, you damaged me. And you said, but you told me to do it. And if that potters you, so then we've gotten, done away with all of Seder of Nazikin. Like, that means, right, you're disturbing the world order. Nothing would make sense. You could say so. So, I'm a lay. Ismaye, an unbelievable thing. Rabbi Barachana says, what do you want me to do? I heard this b'risa. This is the halacha that I learned. Should I delete it from my memory? I can't unhear this b'risa. Is it a wrong b'risa? I mean, it doesn't sound like it. So where did I get this? Right? So basically, Rabbi Barachana is saying to Rav, if you're telling me that this b'risa is something that's going to undermine all of Hilchas Nazikin, then explain to me, where did I learn this halacha? It, it doesn't sound like I made it up, right? So after all, if Barry says to Andrew, you told me to do these things, we know that he's potter. So what's the context? So, so Rav explains to Rav Barachana that it is true, the b'risa exists, you don't have to erase it, 
It is true that if Barry tells the court that Andrew told him to do it, he is going to be putter, but it's in a very specific case. As Rashi explains, a shore or that's obvious. It's a shore that kills someone else. That shore is going to be put to death. So now Andrew has to put his poor shore that he called his Boris to death. I don't know why he called him that. Andrew has to put him to death, but he can't, he can't bear to do it. So he calls his best buddy, Barry. Uh, so he's saying maybe Besden has to, has to put it to death. But, but it doesn't matter because, in other words, even if it was Besden's um, obligation to put it to death, if somebody preempted that and said, you know what, I'll take care of it and kill that shore, he wouldn't be chayev. I don't think you're chayev for killing a shore. That's amud la, la misa, right? You certainly didn't, put it this way, you certainly didn't cause him a financial damage, right? Because that shore was a goner, right? He was on the way to the gallows. So, so we decided we don't want Bezin to put it to death. We don't like how he put it to death. We have a special, whatever, lethal injection. We want to put it to death. But Andrew can't bear to see it because he's emotionally attached to the shore. So he asks Barry to do it. And Barry does it. So Barry's not going to be chayev. What about a tree? When is a tree going to be omed like Now We have cases of Asherah, the tree that became an avodah or a tree that's blocking the Rishis HaRabim, says Rashi, right? You're, anything that is so dangerous in the Rishis HaRabim that you think it's going to fall on someone and kill them, there is indeed a mitzvah to chop down an Asherah tree or a tree that's going to kill somebody. So all that's happening here is, this is a tree that Andrew is supposed to take down, but he doesn't have a chainsaw. He doesn't have got no time. He says, Barry, can you do me a favor? Can you chop down the tree? I got to go to work. Can you chop that that tree? And that's the case, okay? So in those cases, right, we're going to say that Barry's popped. But the question is, if that's the case, then why are we in court altogether? What are we doing in court? Barry did Andrew a favor. Where, where, where's the problem? Says the Gemara. Right? If this is the case, that Barry was just doing Andrew a favor, then why are we in court? What is the taina that Andrew has on him? So says the Gemara. Andrew's complaining. He's saying, I didn't tell Barry. So clearly everyone's going to agree that Barry didn't cause Andrew any monetary loss. What they're saying is, what they're fighting about here is, who gets to do the mitzvah? Ah, the mitzvah of killing, killing a shore is a mitzvah. The shore that killed someone else. right? Chopping down an asherah tree is a mitzvah. And therefore, Andrew wanted the mitzvah, but Barry preempted him. As soon as Andrew went to work, Barry chopped down the tree. Uh, the Tanya... How do we know that stealing someone else's mitzvah is a thing? It says, V'shafach v'chisa. We have the idea by Kisui Hadam. We know that anybody who shechts an animal, non-domesticated, right, uh, animal, has to do, uh, has to do Kisui Hadam, right, cover the blood with earth. So says the Gemara, V'shafach v'chisa, the way the Pasuk is structured, it's teaching you, the person who's the one that caused the dump to spill, he should have the schus of covering that blood. And there was a story one time, Andrew once slaughtered an animal, and Barry came in like a tzaddik and covered it with, right, did kisu adam. And in that case, if you remember Barry, Rebbe Gamliel made you pay Andrew the Classic Asar Zahuvim. That's the amount of money, the 10 golden dinars, is the, is the standard amount that you pay for stealing somebody's mitzvah. Of course, the mitzvahs are priceless, but that's what we decided the amount should be. Okay, so similarly here, this is what they're fighting about in court. 
Andrew is saying he wants Barry to pay him the Asar Zahuvim again, just like he stole Andrew's Kisoy Adam mitzvah. Andrew is a, uh, Barry is like a mitzvah thief. He keeps taking all the mitzvahs away and jumping in in his, right, alacrity. He's jumping in to do all these mitzvahs. Andrew wanted to do the mitzvah, and so he's taking Barry to court for the ten Zahuvim. That's the question. But the Chiddush is that whereas if it were talking about ne- actual Nezek, where Andrew um, suffered a financial loss, we wouldn't believe Barry to say that Andrew told him to do it, because that would undermine the entire industry of, right, of Masechus Nezikin. But when it comes to stealing mitzvahs, we, we do believe Barry. That's the difference. You understand? That's the Kiddush. When it comes to stealing mitzvahs, if Andrew says, he stole my mitzvah, and Barry says, you told me to do it, we believe Barry, and he's off the hook for the Asara Dinarim. Okay? Because we assume... I don't know why. I'm just speculating that we know that that we 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 assume that if these guys are such holy people that they're fighting over who gets the mitzvah, then Barry's probably telling the truth. I would also not make you pay the sorry dinar, Barry. Okay, six lines up. Amarav dikla deton kaba asula miktase. Let's just talk a little bit more about cutting down trees. We know that a palm tree that has a bar uh, that has a cup of dates, you're not allowed to cut down. Yeah, so we know this idea vaguely, right? We're vaguely aware of the fact that you're not allowed to cut trees. I'm going to give it all away now because we do see that we have like a lot of wood. I mean, look at these beautiful uh, wood uh, fixtures in Shari Zion, right? So like somewhere along the line, somebody cut down a tree. So can you cut down a tree or can you not cut down a tree? So the first halacha that they say over here, and the Agos Bach says that you don't see this in Shulchan Aruch anywhere. Um... Somebody said, oh, the, no, I'm sorry, the, the Rav Ranschenberg. Okay, he doesn't understand. Why don't we have this din, the Rav Ranschenberg, in turn Shulchanarch of cutting down the trees? So you're going to see in a second why probably it doesn't appear. Okay, so a tree that bears a cob of dates, you're not allowed to cut down. So basically, the first objection is what about this cob of dates? What's the shear of fruit? It's a mission shvius. It says, What's the amount to not cut down an olive tree? A rova, a quarter of a kav. So that's not the same as a kav, obviously. So why is the shear inconsistent? Yeah, because the olives are like four times more important than the dates, uh, more you know, expensive, and therefore it's a quarter of the shear that you're not allowed to cut down fine. Okay. Shivchas was the name of his son. And he's just saying a concept that my son Shivchas died prematurely for no other reason than he cut down a fig tree prematurely before the figs were ripe. So this causes many people to be very, very, uh, right, very on edge about <laughs> cutting trees. Once you hear this, you don't want to ever cut down a fruit tree again. But what is indeed the halacha? Let's keep going. Uh-oh. Now the tables have turned. What do you mean, me'ula b'danim? Yeah, Rashi explains. Yeah. So we thought, Barbara and I were laughing, because we thought, oh, because the eights is like Adam, and eights chaim hila machasikim ba, this beautiful idea of Judaism and Torah and trees. No. It's just what's more valuable. <laughs> it's like more pragmatic kosher money idea, Andrew. Like if a if a if a tree is going to be a fruit bearing tree, so then the fruit and the fruit is the ichor. So then, by cutting down the tree, you're kind of like cutting down the golden goose. It's basically saying, you know, you have a, a high yield investment. Don't cut down the principal because you're going to lose out on all of the right all of the dividends. <laughs> That's what it's saying. 
But if your investment is barely yielding anything, and the main thing is, is the principle, mainly, right, if a tree itself, like it's a cedar tree, that's barely giving any fruit, but the actual tr- tree is v- valuable, then of course you cut down the tree. That's how we ended up with all this wood, because those trees, their fruit's barely valuable, but their wood is much more valuable. That you can cut down. So it's really just don't cut down the principle on a high-yield investment, that kind of thing. So Tanya Nami we also have a price. Rock Eitzah Sheoteida. It says, the Pasuk says that you should not um, cut down a tree that you don't know, right? It's, it's talking about when you are besieging an enemy uh, city, right? You should only cut down a tree that you know is not a food tree, right? That you can cut down, which is to say they don't want you to cut down fruit trees. But the, what's the language? It says, asher da. Ah, ze ilan ma'achal, Right? And then if you continue and we expound on every part of this pasuk, you say like this, Eitz asher is talking about a fruit, uh, fruit tree. So that you shouldn't cut down. Kilo eitz ma'chalhu. Ze'ilan srak. When it says a tree that is not a fruit tree, that's talking about what we call an ilan srak, which is a non-food tree. Right? So there's certain ones that have fruits and ones that don't. What does it mean? V'chim called davar. Since at the end of the day, you're allowed to cut down every kind of tree, so why are we making a distinction between fruit trees and not fruit trees? In other words, the whole point of the Pasuk is not to say that you're not allowed to cut down any tree, not even to say that you're not allowed to cut down fruit trees, but if you need to cut down a tree, as Rashi explains, if you're uh, the last Rashi on Sadiq Alpha and Bays, if you have like a need, let's say, to build a some sort of protective outpost and you need wood for it so then of course you cut down the trees you cut down the fruit trees or the non-fruit trees lmi what do you have to do when given an opportunity to cut down trees you should first cut down the non-fruit trees because it's less than destructive than cutting down the tr- fruit trees okay finally we say the final thought is that you might have thought that you should Let's say you had, right, a very, very valuable, right, uh, tree, right, that where the, where the tree is more valuable for the timber than its fruit, right? So you may have thought that that non-fruit tree should be uh, ahead of the fruit tree in every single circumstance. The answer is, Tamaloma Rock. Rock is teaching you that the precedence has Really, it's not absolute. It has nothing to do really with um, categorically always cutting down the non-fruit tree. Let's say you have a non-fruit tree that is junky wood, for argument's sake, right? And it's not going to be valuable to you. And then the fruit tree is like this giant cedar tree with these little berries that nobody cares about that, you're not, that you can't sell. So then, of course, cut down the cedar tree first. In other words, the rock is teaching you that all bets are off. There's not really a precedence. It's just like maybe if everything were equal, cut down the non-fruit tree first. But basically, you just make an evaluation of highest value. What is the most valuable tree to cut down right now? Like if we need a strong tree, we're not even going to look at is it a fruit tree? Is it not fruit? Is it a strock? We're just going to cut down the tree we need to cut down to. Right? So it's... Uh, one of those things where there's a concept of not cutting down trees, there's a concept of not cutting down regular trees over fruit trees, but at the end of the day, like when, when desperate times, when push comes to shove, you have to 
the, the circumstance is going to carry the day, right? Which is probably why it's not in Shulchan Aruch, because it's case dependent. Like if you need a tree for a specific thing, so then this halacha kind of falls away, okay? Because that, that's the priority, the need, okay? Similarly, a story Shmuel, I said, I recently, Tom Ray Shmuel's sharecropper once brought him some dates, Achil time, but time of the Chamra. Well, an interesting thing. He tasted a little wine in the dates. I'm a lay my high. I said, why do I taste wine in the dates? I'm a lay, bene gufne kaimi. Yeah, I was growing the dates amongst the vines. So Amar, so Shmuel said, mechashi bechamra kulay high. He says, you're going to what? He assumed that, right, in terms of the biology of how, what's going on here, that if these dates taste so much like wine, then they might, might be sapping some of the nutrients from the wine. Now, what's going on? The wine is way more valuable than the dates. So he said, the fact that I taste the wine in the dates isn't saying any, is saying something bad about the wine. It means that you must be weakening the wine and that's not worth it. You gotta rip out those date trees. That, that was his point. Ah, rip out date trees? We're not allowed to cut down trees. Yeah, but it's, a, it's a, almost a very extreme <coughs> illustration of this point that you're gonna cut down perfectly fine. Not only are you gonna cut it because you need, right, trees in the moment, but even if you need the trees to be cut down in order to make another tree better. That's a good enough reason to cut down a, even a fruit tree. Okay, that's the point. And I saw that the rush adds, I saw it in the art school, that even like Tzarech Makomo by Mukta, like even if the only reason you're cutting down this fruit tree is because you need to have a pathway for your garden, that's also a good enough reason. In other words, it doesn't have to be for the Lagufa, right? It doesn't have to be for the tree itself. It's for whatever reason you have, you can cut it down, right? So he says, Tomorrow, bring me their roots, which is to say, different ways of explaining how Makarayim means the roots. Makara sounds like the source of it. The roots could mean something else. The point is, according to both the explanations, it means take down those tamar trees. Okay. Palm saplings on the vines. He said to the sharecropper, Akarini, uproot them. Because after all, vines are more important. You could buy a thousand date palms with vines, but you can't buy even one, right, vine with decolum, which is to say, just relative value. The vines are more expensive, and therefore, you can cut down the dates to preserve the vines. So we see you are indeed, case specific, allowed to cut down fruit trees, but we did hear, I don't know why, right, if somebody cuts down a fruit tree for no reason prematurely, so you, it's like a Garanowitz Musser moment there, right? Like, don't... Um, if you have an investment with compounding interest, right, don't cash in too early, that kind of thing, right, because that's just wasteful. So there is an issue of baltashchis, right? It applies to things, right? So I guess that's the value. But it's always, right, it's very pragmatic, right? It's, it's always about value investing. It's not about uh, fruit versus, right, uh, anything else. Okay, Mishnah. So the Mishnah doesn't say, just like the last Mishnah didn't t- teach us that we were talking about Boshes, we had to figure it out on our own. This one's talking about Tsar, but it doesn't tell you that it's talking about Tsar, so I'm telling you that it is, because that's what it seems like. I'll, let's read it inside. It's one of the five payments is you pay for somebody's Tsar. Says the Mishnah, An amazing idea. We're going to learn a lot of Derech Eretz here. Even though an assailant can compensate, right, he's not pardoned fully until he asks, says he's sorry. He has to ask for forgiveness. What's talking about here? The Mishnah is quoting the story of Avraham and Avimelech. What happened in the story of Avraham and Avimelech? Um, well, Avimelech took Avraham's wife, Sarah. Okay, Sarai. 
Sarah, by then. Anyway, takes uh, his, his wife and, and Avram lies, right, to protect her. He says that she's a sister. And then he comes back and he says, oh, he brings her back. So he restores, he makes him whole. He brings the wife back. So that's like paying the nezek. And then he says, by the way, uh, she's a married, it turns out she's a married woman, but he, Hashem tells Avimelech, when you bring her back, so right, so right now she's with Avimelech. So Hashem tells Avimelech, you better return her and also apologize because he's a prophet and he's going to pray for you. That's what Hashem tells Avimelech in a dream to illustrate that what? That not only do you have to return the wife and make Avraham whole, you also have to apologize. And from where do we know that if you don't forgive him, that's considered cruel? Because after all, look what happened. We see that Hashem, right? Davin to Hashem to heal him. In other words, there's a two-edged achzorius when it comes to forgiveness. This is the anatomy of forgiveness. There's a person who did the act and he apologizes, but then there's also the behavior of the person that got injured, right? It takes a big person to also forgive, right? So you ask for forgiveness and you forgive. Both of those need to be done, okay? So in other words, if somebody, and again, there are halachas here, right? We have these halachas in all over the place, right? We have Chafetz uh, Chaim or Yisrael Salanter or the Rambam. Everybody talks about this idea of, of, um, of how do you, how, how do you ask for forgiveness and how do you forgive? Anyways, so here we go. Haomer says the Mishnah, Sameis Enai, Ketayis Yadi, Shvoros Regli, Chayev. If somebody says to his buddy, blind my eye, cut off my hand, or break my leg, and the guy did it, then the assailant is going to have to pay for that damage, even though he asked him to do it. Amanas Liftor. But what if the first person says a different thing, a different case? Amanas Liftor, he says explicitly, do it and I will not right, uh, um, exact any, any repayment for you. So then, on uh, that condition, Chayev. The assailant is still Chayev. Okay. So when it comes to personal injury, he's always going to be Chayev. In contrast, if the person says, Shaber's Kadi, Chayev. If he says, break some of my stuff, my clothing, my jug, then again, the damage will be chayev. However, if the case is Amanas Liftors, then there, putter, right? So, so if he says, break my jug and you're not going to be chayev, then the damager will be putter. Which is to say, when it comes to personal injury, you cannot um, be putter even if the guy told you he's not going to be mechayev you. But when it comes to injuring stuff, you know, damaging stuff, then if he uh, explicitly exonerates you, then you are allowed to do so. Finally, the mission says, I say, Cain, Leish, Pony, Amanas Liftor. But if Andrew says to Phil, we miss you, Phil, do this to Barry, and on the condition that there be no liability, then Chayev, then of course, Barry, then Phil is going to be Chayev, Bein Begufa, Bein Mamono. And that's irrespective of Gufa of Mamono, because as we'll see, it's just a very simple concept to us, it's very obvious, but that's only because we already are aware of this concept, the Ein Shleich right? In other words, if the Mafia Don sends his goons to go take care of Tony, then, then the goons are the ones that are always going to be taking the, taking the rap, right? They're not going to, it's not going to go back to the mafia down because ain't shliach ledvara veira. It's the person who perpetrates it that's going to be chayav. Okay. Says the Gemara. Tanur Rabbanu. Kol eli sh'amru d'mei boshto avaltsaro afilavi kol elevenosh ba'olam e'n nimchalo ha'chei vakesh mimeno. 
In other words, the amounts that we said in the previous Mishnah, right? When we were talking about Boshes, right? The seller, the money, all those things for Boshes, right? Those amounts apply to Boshes. Aval Tsaro, but when it comes to the mental anguish that is the topic of our Mishnah, even if you brought all the rams of Nebaios in the world, in other words, you could bring everything that does not, that's not about the money. It's about the feeling. And therefore, there's no mechila achi vakash mimeno until he asks for forgiveness. So that's how I know that our Mishnah was talking about Tsar. <laughs> because now the Gemara is revealing that the previous Mishnah was talking about Boshes. So for embarrassing somebody, there's amounts. But this Mishnah is talking about Tsar. The mental anguish, the physical anguish, you can't put a price on that. You can't just pay someone off, right, and say, now you should feel better. That doesn't, not how it works. Shanamar, because the Pasuk says, the same aforementioned Pasuk of the Mishnah, that you see that when it comes to the emotional aspect of it, what you have to do is you have to ask for forgiveness, okay? And then you have to forgive. So ask the Mar, the Ashes Navi Bayadure, Ashes Acher Lo Bayadure. Wait. Why are we saying that you have to return the wife of that prophet? The way that Hashem said it was return his wife because he's a prophet and he'll pray for you. What if he's, a, what if he's not a prophet, right? What if he's a bus driver? So then you don't return his wife? Obviously you do. So why does the Torah mention specifically he's a prophet and he'll pray for you? What does that have to do, right, with, the, uh, with forgiveness, with asking for Mechila? No. Always you have to return someone's wife if you take her, right? That's true of anyone's wife. But you have to look. You're going to say, you're going to defend yourself. You say, wait a minute. I'm a tzaddik. He told me there was his sister. He lied to me, right? So why do I have to apologize? He's the one that deceived me. So it is that which the which Hashem was addressing in the Pasuk when he says, Navihu. He says, no, no, no. If you think that your defense is going to be that she told me that he was my sister, you should just know that he's a Navi, Ukvar Limed, and he has already said, Right. A person who comes to the city, you're supposed to ask him what he wants to eat. And, oh, or we already asked, right, should you ask him, Regarding his wife, or is she your sister? So in other words, he knew, Avram knew, that this is what you're supposed to be, right? Uh, that, that's supposed to be asked. And basically, Avram, the fact that he was a Navi, made it such that he knew, right, that if that, he knew with prophecy that if he had said that it was his wife, that she would be killed, or that he would be killed, rather. And therefore, since Avram's a Navi, that is why he lied to you, right? So what Hashem is explaining to Avimelech and Avimelech's dream is that he knew that you were a bad dude and he only lied to you out of what? Sakanas nefashus, right? In other words, normally a person, when he lies, they're lying because it like benefits them in some way, but they don't know whether for sure. But Avram is a Navi, so he knew for sure. So it wasn't lying, lying, right? It was just saving his life. And so you can't use that as an excuse for why you took her because since he's a Navi, you know, and I know, and we all know, that you would have killed him. And therefore, that's not your excuse. The excuse is, go ask for forgiveness. Ah, very good. So from that, we learn, says the Gemara, an interesting thing, that we see there that when it comes to the mitzvahs of Noach, 
right? That if somebody commits uh, an aver that he thought was permissible, uh, he, we could still execute them for that because he has the right. He has the responsibility of learning, and he didn't learn. So the Bnei Noach, right, should have proper behavior, and therefore um, it's it could have been uh, he would have been chayiv misa had he not returned, right, the wife to Avraham. Okay, just getting a little more into this episode before we go on to other stuff. Says Hashem. What was the punishment that happened? So very quickly, they stomped up all the holes. You know, Asher Yatsar, right? The the bracha that we say every morning and all throughout the day for being able to, for our bodies to function through the different orifices. All those orifices were blocked up. Why say Atsar Atsar? So as we will now see, all the orifices were blocked. A lot of them. Achas uh, so by the man, it was the Sheikh Vazera that was blocked. By Stein, by the woman, it was the Sheikh Vazera and also the birth canal or the, or the ability to have birth. In Ebrisa, it was taught too by man and Sheikh Vazera that the orifice was stopped off. So it blocked both, right, urine and Sheikh Vazera. And And by the woman also, the Sheikh Vazera and also Katanim, also the, the, the urine and also the Leda. And then the third view, Ravina Amar, Shalosh Beish, Sheikh Vazera Katanim, Bas. Right, so it was not just right the shikh and the urine, but also his uh, rectal orifice was blocked. So everything was blocked in Arba Isha, Right, so now she's going to get the full blockage. Shikh Vazera, Leda Ketanim, and Piyatavas. So everything was blocked in this episode of Avimelech. Basically, Hashem shut the whole thing down. Okay, that's why it says Atzor Atzar. Now, Be'ad Kol Rechem. Wait a minute. Literally every. Womb opposite the womb, what was every orifice opposite every womb? What does that mean? I don't really debate It means every womb, it means everybody in his household, right, got everything blocked up, not just the people, but even the, the chickens in the coop would not even lay an egg. In other words, every hole was closed that fully. I'm like Rabbi, the Rabbi Barmari. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about the prayer. We know that Avram did on behalf of Melech. Beautiful Musar idea. If a person davens for his friend and they need the same thing as the friend, then the person who davened, not for himself, but for a friend, both people need a shidduch. You daven for your friend to get the shidduch. An unbelievable idea. You're going to be answered first. How do we know that? So Amalei, he said to Rava, It's from Eov. When Eov prayed for his friend, Hashem restored Eov. So Rava answers, So Rava is asking the question, but Rava had his own ideas. He thinks it's from this episode of Amalek and Avram that you learn it. It says, Avram davin to Hashem, right, for Avimelech to get better, and Avimelech did get better, and then Uchsev Hashem Pakad at Sarok Hashem Amar. The very, very next pasuk, that prayer that Avram Avinu had for a what a a, a shegitz of a king, right, a degenerate king, that was it was in that merit that his wife be, finally was able to give birth. Wow. If we daven for our holy friends, how much will our prayers be answered? See what's going on? That means that already, already when he's davening for Avi Melech, that was Hashem Pakarit Sarah. Unbelievable. Okay. Now, this was a discussion between Rabbi Bar Mari 
and Rava. Okay? Now that we've mentioned Rava, Mari, and Rava, we're going to do a speed round. We have 10 minutes left. And we're going to talk about more discussions that Rava had with Rabba Barmari about life hacks and the seven habits of highly effective people and different phrases that people say. How many such discussions are we going to record, Barry? 19. Here we go. Number one. I'm like Rava Barmari. How do we know that along with the thorns, you also uh, smite the cabbage? Which is to say, sometimes you take out the baby with the bath water. I'm going to say some of the English versions of these phrases. It says in Yirmiyahu, why, why are you rebelling against me? The word of Hashem. Okay? Why should you rebel against me? In other words, you didn't really rebel against me, but with your behavior, right, it sounds like you you were all you have some quarrel with me. So Amalei Rava said no. I learned from here. Right? Hashem is saying to Moshe, "How long will you, all of you, refuse to observe my commandments?" In other words, He's saying it to all of you, even Moshe. So again, you get thrown in with right with everyone else when you're involved with them in that regard. So we had the first exchange already had to do with Avi Melech. Now this second, that was the second one. Now the third one. Okay, it says, this is Yosef and his brothers. What happened? He took five men and stood them in front of Paro. Who are the five? So again, the Pasuk says literally in Bracious that he took Chamishah Hashem. It doesn't say who they are. So we learn that it's the ones whose names are repeated. When are they repeated? Later, when Moshe, before he dies, he talks to, right, the Shvatim. And there's certain Shvatim that in Vizos Abracha, he says twice. And there's kind of six of them, but it's the five. But the Gemara, which, which are the five? It's Don, Zvun, God, Asher, and Naftali. Apparently they were weaker. They were more like uh, slight. And therefore they needed extra chizuk. Okay? And similarly, back in Mitzrayim, Yosef brought these five yeshivish brothers that looked like they shouldn't go fight. And he says, here, don't send these guys out to the front. Right? Some people fight in the base of Medish, and some people fight by Shetach, as they say. So, anyways, the Gemara asks, Rava said, Yehuda na but Yehuda's also mentioned twice as the Zosa Bracha. So now, Rabbi Barmari is going to explain, he's mentioned twice, but not for the same reason as the aforementioned other five. Yes, for his own reasons. It's a different reason. How do we know? And then the next Pasuk begins, Vizos le Yehuda. Right? Why does he start with, Reuven should live and not die? And then it says, and this is to Yehuda. What's Vizos le Yehuda? What does that mean? And then the following Pasuk says, right, that, that you should listen to the voice of Yehuda. So it does mention Yehuda twice, but for a totally different reason. It's at the end, it, 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 it's connected to the Ruvain Pasuk beforehand, as follows. Says the Gemara. The whole 40 years that Kalisar were in the desert, the bones of Yehuda were bouncing around on the Aaron. So everywhere, all the other bones of the Shvatim that they carried with them were quiet. These were just rattling around. So Moshe starts davening for the bones of Yehuda. Yehuda. He says, why are the bones of Yehuda rattling? After all, Reuven's idea was to kill Yosef. Yehuda, and, and Yehuda then, when he confessed, right, inspired Reuven to confess, right? And that's a beautiful thing. When you do the right thing and you inspire somebody else to do the right thing. So that's what it means, Vizos Yehuda. So the Vizosli Yehuda didn't have to do with doubling down on Yehuda's strength to strengthen him. Rather, it has to do with 
this idea that Yehuda is the one that strengthened Reuven, it had to do with the prayer that Moshe Rabbeinu had on behalf of Yehuda. Says the Gemara, Miyad Shama Hashem Kol Yehuda. This is now, we're taking this Pasuk of Vezosa Bracha, we're breaking it down, and we're fitting it with the story of what happened. So Hashem listened to the Kol of Yehuda. Says the Gemara, Alivar Shafa. And so now his limbs return to his, their joints. However, but they did not admit Yehuda into the Yeshiva Shalmala to learn Torah with Moshe Rabbeinu and everyone else up there. Then it says, right? So we're going, continue with Zosah Bracha. It says, bring him to his nation. So now they brought him to the base Medrash. They brought him to the base Medrash. However, he doesn't understand the word of Shir. They're saying over of Shimon Shkup, and he's totally lost. So then it says, nor does he know the shaklavataria of what's going on. So then they say, Yadavravlo. So his hands should also understand, they should be able to participate in the Melcham Tashal Taira. Good. Then, So even though he now he understood the Lamdas, he wasn't able to carry it all over to the Halacha, which he wanted to do. As we see, this is a source that that's the ultimate, I suppose. The Ezer Mitzaravti, yeah, and that's how you finish. The Ezer Mitzaravti, yeah, that you have help against his adversaries. That means that it enables Yehuda also not just to understand, but also to paskin. Wow, and that was all accepted. That's all alluded to in Vizos Sabracha. Next time you get to it, you'll appreciate it even more. The fourth of nineteen exchanges between Rav and Rav and Mari. Three lines up from the bottom. Rav and Rav and Mari. Minala Misadamar Inche. Where do we learn this idea? Basar Anya Azla Niyusa. That not only do the rich get richer, but in this context it means the poor gets poorer. Amalei, we learn that from the mission in Bikurim, the Tanan. Ashir, Mavin, Bikurim, Biklasa, Shazava, Kesef. This is how it goes. The rich people, when they bring their Bikurim, they're bringing in these gold and silver baskets. Vaniim, Bislein, Tsarim, Shalar, Klufa. And the Aniim have to bring in these, like, sorry peeled twigs, baskets, like disposable. So Hasalim, Bikurim, Nosim, Lokohanim. And so you give the Aniim, give the baskets, and like those are disposable baskets. You don't take them back. That's like a paper plate basket. And therefore, those, the Kohanim keep. Whereas the rich get richer. Like they get to bring it in baskets that they get to take back with them. Oh, so Amalei, that's not the source. I say it's from the following source. It's like Beis and Beis. Right, the Torah says about the Mitzorah, right, that it's like adding insult to injury, right? As it is, he got Tzaras. That's sad enough in itself. But it like always seems to compound because now he's also not only getting tzaras, but he's also embarrassed because he's outside of the machna. The fifth exchange. That you should eat right away. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. In summer, it helps you from the heat. In the winter, it helps you from the cold. Sixty runners ran. And in that marathon, nobody could keep up with the dude who ate breakfast. You shouldn't hunger or thirst in the heat and the sun shall strike them. In other words, this is in Isaiah, right? It sounds like it's good to eat in the morning. Robert learns from somewhere else. Says you should, right? You should do avoidus Hashem. That's kriyashma tefila. Uverech and it right juxtaposes it to eating, and in the morning zupas melech v'kisan shalmayim. So you should have bread and water. Mikan ve'elach v'asirosu machlam ekerbechan. If you have the bread and water, you will be spared uh, um, ailment. V'tanya machla zumara. What's the machla? It's that gallbladder disease. It's called machla because there are eighty-three different maladies associated with the gallbladder. So what? What does that have to do with machla? Because machla How often do you see gematria in the Gemara? Machla gematria eighty-three. Wow. And all of that can be avoided if you just have that morning breakfast, Andrew. Most important meal of the day: bread and water. 
Sixth idea. An unbelievable idea. If somebody calls you a donkey, don't argue with him. Lean into it and take a donkey saddle and put it on your back. The Malach spoke to Hagar in disparaging terms. He said, hey, you're the Shifcha Sarai. And she says, She leaned into it. She said, you're right. Sarah is my master and I'm running away from her. Don't be so proud to, to, um, uh, right, to, to say otherwise when somebody uh, uh, disparages you. So we're going to... Uh, Right, uh, uh, we're going to stop here. But so we have until uh, tomorrow all of the other uh, different life hacks. The bottom line is uh, we should prepare for the future. We should be uh, always humble and kind. And Bezat Hashem, Ubi Zocha, to Yeshua and the Hamas for all of Klal Yisrael. And everybody should have a good Shabbos.